0: Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good afternoon. And together we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today we're sitting down with Jared Ralski. Jared is a holistic health coach helping clients heal through an individual approach to nutrition and wellness. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, this is amazing.
1: Jared, so you're, you're in LA and i can see the windows behind you and the weather just looks outstanding we've actually been getting kind of warm weather here yeah, too it's been in cincinnati
0: unseasonably warm
1: and we just dealt with the time change what was that last night
0: yeah we got an extra hour do you guys do time change that's a stupid yeah,
1: question. yeah i was I'm actually woke
2: up this morning i was like it's really early right now and i, I didn't i was like is it did the time change i didn't even know that it actually changed
0: Oh yeah, so you have. There's certain parts of the country though that don't do daylight savings. Like there's like a pocket in Indiana that doesn't, and it weirds me out because I'm like, how do you know if you're traveling? Is there really? Yeah, you didn't know that? I did not know that. It's weird.
1: Okay. Well, anyways. Um,
0: happy daylight savings, Jared. I think. Because yeah, Ar-
2: happy- I was like, I slept amazing last night, and then I looked at my phone. I was like, this can't be. Po- <laughs> this can't be possible. I think Arizona doesn't. I mean, there's like times right. of the year that they don't
0: do it. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right.
1: Right on. I can already tell. Even in the. Even in the uh, the pre kind of figuring out the technology chat before we got started that I'm gonna have just an absolute awesome time talking to Jared today. But hey Jared, take me back to where it all started. Take me back to where you grew up, what it was like, you know, growing up with your family, early years and um, you know, where you went to school, that kind of stuff.
2: Well I grew up outside of Chicago and I'd say I had like a very stable upbringing for the most part, you know, like everything was always like, we didn't have to worry about things like finances and whatnot. And like Mm -hmm. everything was in place for us to be quote unquote successful. You know, like we went to a very affluent high school and like we were all going to go to college and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it was that type of upbringing. But I'd say it was lacking in the wisdom department, you know, like Mm -hmm. most of my nutrition in childhood was driven by my never-ending quest to win the monopoly game from mcdonald's you know like i was just like i just forced <laughs> it was like we i needed like i i must have went to mcdonald's like all the time and my mom <laughs> like succumbed you know i was like i need boardwalk and park place to win this <laughs> contest and in-
0: it's a brilliant marketing <laughs> channel to be honest
2: yeah just preying on children like me right. at the time it's, it's terrible So, yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't, there wasn't, like, a, you know, it's not like we were, like, terribly unhealthy, but we ate a lot of, I remember having, like, you know, I can't believe it's not butter, and, like, country crock, like, that type of stuff, and I never thought twice about it, you know, like, for the most part, it wasn't like we were terribly unhealthy, but um, these type of, you know, foundations, they weren't in place,
1: did you do a lot of cooking in your house? Your, your your mom, your dad, your your siblings, or whoever you stayed with? What, what was the cooking situation like?
2: Uh, a few nights a week, I would say. But, like, a lot of times, you know, we would just, like, order in and take out a lot of the mm. time. You know, like, we are getting Chinese food and stuff along those lines. I wasn't really – like, I would – I'm like, I'm making fettuccine Alfredo today. Like, that was about, like, the extent of my cooking. And then I actually moved to Italy in adulthood, and I'm like, this doesn't even exist, fettuccine Alfredo. It's it's not a real dish, you know? But, like, I I, I wasn't cooking a lot as a kid. Kraft macaroni and cheese I would make. Right on. So
0: packaged, you know, semi-processed foods to some degree. Yeah, that's that's kind of a general theme. I think every I've yet actually at one of our most recent interviews, she was like, no, I lived like very close to a farm and grew up on amazing foods. But so many of us like we didn't question it. It was just normal. And it wasn't even something our parents were necessarily questioning. They were just like, if it's sold in stores, it's good for me. Like, I'm just going to believe the commercial. Duh. Like it's information. Now we kind of know it's advertising. We kind of have more skeptical eyes, but yeah, that's a pretty common response.
1: So we're so we're growing up in you're in, you're in Chicago. And you said you said again outside Chicago. Yeah, like to, north, in north, the suburbs, city. north suburbs, suburbs. Okay. And 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 this area was I mean um, you were ordering a lot of food in. Does that mean like the I mean, I'm thinking back in the day Chinese delivery was like the thing. You know, nowadays you have kind of DoorDash, everything can be delivered at, at the blink of an eye. But did you have a favorite meal growing up? Something that you really were like, oh my gosh, it's about to go down.
2: Chicken Parmesan probably, mm. you know, was like my go-to. Um, there's this place uh, really close by called Washington's Garden, Washington Gardens. And it was like, I just needed that like at all times. And
0: mm.
1: Right on. Uh, yeah, Chicken Parmesan sounds outstanding. So, so how long did you live in this suburb area all through high school? I mean, how long were we there?
2: Yeah, like, all throughout high school, and then, pr- I mean, I went to college at University of Illinois, which was, like, three hours away from there, and I think we must have sold the house, um, I don't know, when I was probably 25 or so. Oh, mm.
1: wow. What did you study in college?
2: Broadcast journalism. No Broadcast way!
0: Journalism. I didn't Yeah, know they that. always
2: told me I had a face for radio, and I was just like... <laughs> I mean, I I actually, like, I really liked it. I would write for the school papers everywhere I went, and I had a radio show. I was doing, like, sports. Um, I grew up, like, a huge – we were, like, a sports family, you know. It was, like, Chicago's a sports town, and it was, like, Chicago Cubs. Like, my uh, childhood high school job, I was a beer vendor at Wrigley Field because I was just, like, I want to be around the game. And, you know, it's, like, a classic arena, and I would get to go – to every game and like sell beer. I started as like the peanut boy, you know, when I was 16 yeah. years old. Um, and then I was like, I want to be close to the game. Um, so I was like doing the journalism stuff. And then after college, you know, the, the you have to start at like the rock bottom in that industry, like just about any industry. But that means moving to Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. So I just shifted gears completely and then I started working in sports actually like for the team in the basketball mm-hmm. industry
0: mm-hmm. did do you feel like your time and experience in uh broadcast and like e-media i guess would be how i categorize that has helped you currently in life on like social media and trying to come up with because uh, social media is like a storytelling app as well you know do you see any overlap between what you learned back then and what you do today
2: not really because it was like 20 years ago and social media is like (laughs) such a it's like this code that you're trying to crack it's like a very refined thing that i think it's it's just like a total different beast in my opinion Mm. that is true i
0: didn't consider like you probably weren't that wasn't even a thing taught back then so it's such a new concept It was like we're all kind of learning but I do think the ability to communicate well um which you have is definitely something that was probably fostered in that program so
1: so so 25 is around the time and it doesn't have to be precise but you, your parents sold the house and where did you go from there you, you graduated college at this point
2: yeah I graduated college and then I moved to Las Vegas and I I because like after the I was like, I'm not doing the journalism thing. I just started calling up college basketball teams. I was like, I love college basketball. I'm gonna go work in college basketball. Okay. So I was I called a bunch of schools that had a coach, like a with a certain pedigree that I wanted to work for and also a graduate program that I would be amenable to studying. I wasn't like going for the school but you had to re enroll as a graduate student. So I went to University of Las Va- uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, and I was like literally wiping the floor and handing out water to the players and stuff. And I did that for a year. And then I moved to Austin, Texas, and I was like a volunteer assistant coach for a Division II school while simultaneously busting tables at an Italian restaurant and working as an intern for a minor league basketball team. So I was like wow. doing all these different things. And then after that, um, I was able to like break into the NBA with mm. the Milwaukee Bucks was the first team I worked for. And then I've worked for four teams, including them.
1: So I've kind cool. of
2: bounced around and moved all over.
1: Um, so, and you mentioned going to Italy.
0: Yeah, I know. That was my question too. I was like, I don't want to, was this somewhere you lived?
1: Not... Is it, was this a visit? What, like, what was this?
2: Yeah. I lived there on two different occasions. So around I think 2011 I left the NBA because I got this opportunity to basically manage an Italian league team like these teams in Europe are kind of set up in a certain way where half the roster is say domestic players so like half the players are Italians and then the other half is Americans and most of these teams strictly employ Italians so like this team kind of was cutting edge and they're like, we want to do things differently. We're going to bring in this American. I was just an intern in the NBA at this point, but like I had worked for the San Antonio Spurs at the time, which is kind of a, you know, it has a name as a championship organization. So this guy in Italy wanted to kind of bring that type of mojo over there. And Mm -hmm. he just gave me this opportunity uh, to kind of scout, Americans and help recruit Americans over there and like manage that um, segment of the team which it only lasted the first time for about three months like it was kind of just a disaster like you know like I didn't even have paperwork and like everything was just like kind of very laisse. so I came back Mm -hmm. to the NBA but then three years later I've it was my goal to go back to Italy because I was like I love living there and just the Mm -hmm. lifestyle was incredible for me So I found my way back there like I went back to the NBA did three more years and then I found my way back to Italy with like a much more stable situation where I was like you know working for this team that was pretty solid and I was there I was living there for two years at that point.
0: Oh wow. What are some of the biggest differences you saw or takeaways from the Italian lifestyle versus uh, your life back in the States.
2: Well, they're pretty intense there and like I think people have this idea that like they just don't really work as hard or something like that out there and I didn't really think that was the case. But there it's more family oriented for sure. Like the these families mm-hmm. like they live with the kids will live in the house to like, you know, far longer than we do here in America. The grandparents a lot of the time will live in the house. Um mm-hmm. they're always eating dinner together, cooking together. Um, and then it's like a little slower paced lifestyle where it's like everybody kind of rests during lunchtime and takes a break, takes a nap, which I, I think is healthy in a lot of ways. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. that is the lowest point of the day in terms of our energy, you know, like around that time. So I think it's healthier to lay down for 30 minutes than keep, you know, trying to push through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that, and it's, it's just like. It's more traditional, like there, you know. I mean that the new the technologies and stuff are infiltrating, obviously, but. Um, people are friendlier, especially compared to Los Angeles.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I've said it before. L. A. Intimidates me. I don't think I've ever been to L. A. Uh, it intimidates me, but um. I, I do think the, the mentality of like the siesta right is what they call it in Spain um is that right the nap the afternoon nap
1: oh I I mean I know what you're referring to but I don't know the exact term I think that
0: I think that's what we called it when we went to Spain um that's sort of like European lifestyle of hey you don't need to just like I personally think if you're working at nine to five you're not working from nine to five I don't I worked a full-time job in an office and I know it wasn't productivity a hundred percent of the time and so I what I've kind of been shifting to is like Um, get an hour and a half really focused time or even two hours really focused time and then take a 30 minute break or a 45 minute break or 15 minute break. But like breaking up your uh, focused time of productivity is actually from like a neuroscience uh, perspective more effective than this American way of working 40 hours a week and um, just being physically there but maybe not mentally working. So not... Not saying like we can't have structure and office jobs, but there's definitely something to learn from. Hey, they do this over there and they're still a functioning, <laughs> um, healthy society. So I think that's fascinating. So, so
1: no fettuccine Alfredo, right, in, in Italy, <laughs> but what, what, what were we getting into food wise? I feel like that would be the first thing. I mean, geez, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling so into Italy. Um, what, what did that look like? I mean, probably a whole new ball game you had to figure out.
2: Yeah. And like I was allergic to cooking at this point. Like I actually had the team that I worked for. I put in my contract that like they would provide two meals a day at like local restaurants. Like oh you know now I cook like ninety five percent of the meals, so Yeah. It's very carb based. Like what you see is very legitimate. It's like people are eating pizzas, bread, pasta that you know, obviously they have meat and protein. It just depends on the region as well. Like I was mm-hmm. very northern Italy, almost Germany, where if you drove thirty minutes north uh, they would speak German. So, wow. like, heavier dishes, at least in that specific region in Italy, like, you know, the gnocchi and, like, some of the stews and whatnot. But all yeah. of it's delicious. And then, like, the desserts are incredible. But mm-hmm. um, I feel they like their food there, yeah, <laughs> I feel like their food there, it's just <laughs> prepared. In, like, if I ate the same exact thing here, I could feel, like, trash versus eating there and just... You know, they're not like in the best shape. It's not like I, there's not the same culture in terms of like working out and stuff like that or mm. um, aesthetics to an extent as it is here. But I think they live longer, you know, don't quote me on this, but um, they live longer. And me personally, I think that can just be contributed to, attributed to like the emotional state of people and like the community, yeah. you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even
1: with family members staying together for longer, right? There's there's something powerful about that. Yeah, right? being being together there's 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 multiplying effects that can that can happen when you've got people that are on their own. They don't feel dependent, but they're staying together because they want to. Mm-hmm. And you know, rather than hey, I need to move out so I can start my life. It's I have to start my life. We'll stay together and we'll just do and I can better. be an asset to yeah. my family. Yeah.
0: Instead of like. A liability. There's this
1: weird thing if I live with my parents, thus I'm a loser and I'm not doing anything.
0: Well, I think it, it depends. Like if you're yeah, in your parents' basement, be. you're not working. <laughs> yeah, I there's mean, arguments there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there's. Our def- dream <laughs> is like, my parents are getting older, and you know, at some point in ten, fifteen years, when, however long it takes, I, like I want them to move back in with us because mm. I want to be the ones to help them. I think that's way more common um like you said in italy than it is in the states and even if they're not like fitness driven we have to have six packs and be like you know diet culture in the united states has issues right but um you're saying the emotional impact of just being together being with family is huge i i couldn't agree more
1: so so you moved home from italy how, how long were you there that's that, that like that after three years you went back how long were you there for that stint about two years about two years. Okay, wow. Time. So, I mean, do you speak Italian? I mean, is I that, did. Is I think,
2: you know, I'm probably rusty at this point, but yeah, I was like completely fluent.
0: That's amazing. That's awesome. That's super cool.
1: Two years in Italy, and then you come home, and, you know, I mean, have we passed at this point? Like, when did you start getting into this food game understanding where food comes from whole foods when when did you start getting into that arena
2: well i definitely wasn't healthy in italy like i never worked out and Mm. i would just like i i probably weighed 30 pounds heavier than i do now and i think moving to la there's a pressure here you know like it's a part of the culture and i i don't think i don't i don't think it's like this i mean there's like these health cultures can kind of branch into multiple segments but I think I was kind of, like, superficially getting healthier here. Like, it was definitely much better than what I did in the past, but, you know, I started going to, like, a acupuncturist and, um, like, working with, like, different trainers and whatnot and just, like, putting a lot more energy towards it where I was automatically mm. going to be healthier than I was in the past. And then I think from there, just, like, maybe I was following some bad trends at first, but from there you kind of start like uncovering more and more layers and then um, it probably clicked like completely in terms of like just eating real food probably about two years or a year and a half ago. But like I was definitely healthy in the past five years, but then it was just like a different level, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what were some of the bad trends that you were following initially?
2: You know, like making acai bowls... (laughs) (laughs) at my house, which I don't think is like, I don't think it's like, that's the worst thing. But I would make these smoothies and I would have Mm -hmm. like, like 15 different ingredients. I'm like superfoods, you know, it's just like, I think there's some aspect of simplicity being better because, you know, it can be a lot for your stomach and digestive system to handle if you're throwing all those ingredients in there. And I had these digestive symptoms that I really wasn't even paying attention to. And I'm just like, oh, that's normal. You know, like I, I didn't even uh, realize or register that like maybe something was wrong. And then like I, yeah. at a certain point, like I went to like a functional medicine doctor and like they had me take a bunch of tests. And they're like, oh, you have SIBO. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, I don't even oh, know. Oh, Yeah, so. Um,
1: I don't know what that is.
0: It's an acronym. I forget what it's saying.
2: Small for. and intestinal bacteria overgrowth there you okay. go yeah and that's- so
0: did they help you correct it
2: yeah but i was like very naive at the time you know i was i think they gave me antibiotics and like i'm you know it's hard to piece oh. all these things together you know yeah and be like this is why this happened but like i'm pretty convinced that that just kind of took out one problem and like substituted in a new one it's like moving food around on your plate you know it's like okay now this issue's arising
0: i'm surprised they prescribed you antibiotics maybe that's typical protocol even in the functional world um i would think they'd try to approach it through food first like a gaps diet type deal but that's that's interesting um I i think I know I've specifically fell prey to a lot of the, like, healthy diet culture of, like, the mid-2000s, which I'm saying, like, 2010, 2011, of, like, you know, really vegetable-heavy, really, um, like, yeah, some of these, like, more foreign-sounding ingredients being touted as superfoods, acai bowls, um, like, big smoothies, huge proportions of food, but, like, at the end of the day, the caloric value is really low, And um, sometimes nutrient value is semi-high but like I I never fully understood like it took me a long time to be able to read a magazine and say oh no, no no this is like BS diet culture version of healthy versus this is actually true ancestral nourishing version of healthy and that right there that shift is one of the most foundational shifts that we can all go through but it takes so much time. And so like in one of the episodes we did previously I read through a Time magazine edition of like what everyone should eat to live longer, be healthier and be happier. Do you remember this? I remember this. Yeah. And it was so plant forward. Um, It was so now they did have one article on the benefits of raising um, beef regeneratively, which is amazing. Then they referenced Allen Savory and the Savory Institute, and that's fantastic. But it was like one slice of like a 35 piece pie. Um, And so now that I've kind of trained a critical eye to look at those pieces, I can see like hey, the message overwhelmingly is like super high fiber, super high plant forward. Um, We're going to talk about like the cleaner ethical ways to eat versus like what actually might be bioavailable to us. And there's a really strong like narrative also like in the influencer culture too. Like you can see that. Um, So was there anything in particular that helped you learn how to weed through the difference because i think a lot of people even listening to this are probably thinking like yeah i can decipher what's healthy and what's not but if i showed them like a plate of kale or a steak they might still be like no the kale every day Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like what helped you learn and decipher the the like diet dogma honestly
2: oh i went back to school when the pandemic hit to the Primal Health Institute, um, which is oh. Mark Sisson's uh, program. So that, like, was very ancestral-based. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, the yeah. it's called Primal Health Institute. And, I mean, to me, it's just the most foundational thing. Like, it's just, it's so time-proven. And if I'm going to listen to somebody else, which, you know, I think when I first got on Instagram, not to, you know, Change directions too much, but like there's so many voices, and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And I was like, getting polluted by listening to too many voices. But if I'm going to listen to somebody, like, I definitely trust Mark and like just his pedigree, and like he's such a healthy person, and like he lives it, and he's like gone through so many iterations with it, and everything in the program just like made complete sense because we can hear something and then if it doesn't it could be like oh yeah but if it doesn't resonate then it's like i'm not just gonna follow it blindly but like everything with this was just so based on nature and yeah looking at things from this lens of like well your body is not accustomed to you know whatever it is that they're feeding us now like this fake processed food like your body it's only been around for if you look at it just from like a evolutionary standpoint it's been around for like Mm -hmm. not even a half percent of our timeline here you know it's like so it's like a vapor in terms of how long we've been here and you start looking at things like everything I started looking at like everything like that so that and then I would say coupled with like just more like spiritually based books that I read that aren't even about nutrition just like Oh, mm. this is how the world works, at least in my mind, you know, it's like, because that mm. is like the mystery, capital M of the universe. It's like, we don't really fully know, but mm-hmm. um, like, you know, books like The Four Agreements, like Don Miguel Ruiz, or um, The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible, which is a Charles Eisenstein book. Like some of these books aren't even necessarily about nutrition, but they're just like paradigms on the world. That you can kind of slide into all these different facets of life.
0: Mm. What What was the program like? Like, how long was it, and what did it entail?
2: It's about six months, and then they basically take you through like all these different aspects of health, where it's nutrition based a lot of, for a large part of it, and then. Um, you know, movement obviously using nature to heal. Circadian biology was like a huge part of it. Um, sleep health, stress management tools, uh, technology—how that's impacting our health—and like it's it's very rooted, like in both intuition and you know, he provides all the scientific backing behind it you know like you know debunking a lot of these myths like the cholesterol myth things like that Mm -hmm. would kind of open opened up a new world for me and um yeah it was like he provides like all that background for it you know Mm -hmm.
1: cholesterol was a thing that really took off there for a little while and i actually don't hear about it as much these days but you know, even even and I'm sure the two the of you USDA is still talking about. Do they it? still talk about mm-hmm. it? The, talk to me about this, and you referred to it as the cholesterol myth. But as as a guy sitting here, a little bit probably less informed than the two of you, clue me in. What's what what is the what is the cholesterol myth?
2: Well, I think we've been sold this narrative that we need to artificially lower our cholesterol and like we've started denaturing foods you know like we're separating yolks Mm. from eggs and we're separating fat from milk and we're only eating uh, muscle meat things like that to kind of you know Mm -hmm. like we've we've grown this fear of like fat because I mean a lot of saturated fats animal fats are going to be high in dietary cholesterol but like basically it's such a vital molecule and important for so many different functions in the body and then you know we're we're being prescribed these statin drugs um, by the pharmaceutical industry which is like basically artificially lowering your cholesterol in your own body which can like you know lead to all sorts of other issues but like they've they've shown that It's such a nuanced topic, really, but, like, they've shown that if you have a cholesterol below 140 or something like that, you're far more likely to die of a bunch of other um, causes of death as opposed to, like, somebody who has a cholesterol above 200 where it's like, oh, you're avoiding heart disease in theory, but then you're just, like, swinging the pendulum over to this side and, like, you're putting yourself at risk for all these other things.
1: So I guess the moral of that is that, you know, cholesterol is not something that is just going to kill you
0: well it's a vital uh, a vital molecule for the body but also I think what happened is we we whoever we is needed to demonize cholesterol so that we could make way for Highly processed seed oils is my assumption because what happened when we demonized cholesterol was okay, what foods went with that? Like Jared said, the egg yolks. That's why we're like obsessed with egg white omelets. Like in the 90s, everyone's like egg white and spinach. I can't think of a worse way to start my day (laughs) than like egg whites and spinach. Um, And then it's like, yeah, we only are, we meaning American culture, is only eating the muscle meat. That means like we're scared of animal fats. We're we don't cook with them anymore. We don't we don't even consume them as like part of a whole steak. Like we don't want to get the fattier cuts of meat, even though like now today I embrace like a ribeye because I love it. I think it's beautiful and tender and amazing. Um, so, because cholesterol could kind of envelop these animal products that now we need like whole fat milk is another example um that we wanted to kind of get rid of so that we could make way for highly processed foods highly processed refined foods then you see this huge burst of oh my gosh the savior is here it's seed oils it's quote vegetable oil Mm. but we've as we've talked about in length on this episode or on this podcast is like vegetable oil is not made from vegetables it's made from seeds like canola oil is is made from the rape plant it's a it's a seed it's you know you do have some beautiful fruit oils like i'm not opposed to olive oil or even an avocado oil from time to time um but those are more fruit oils those aren't like what you see labeled in the store as vegetable oil so in order to demonize or sorry, in order to bring those things on the market, we had to create a reason why we needed them. And unfortunately, that sounds a little conspiracy theory-esque, um, but th- there's some like great uh, documentaries, books, and um, uh, resources on that. I think one is called The Oiling of America. I think Sally Fallon wrote that, and it's it really lays out kind of why we believed this cholesterol myth, which now people are starting to turn around. I think that's one good thing that even though I don't love the carnivore movement because it tends to be uh, just shifting another hyper-focused restrictive diet to us, it has kind of opened people up to animal products in a way where they might feel a little bit better um, maybe re-entering them into their diet, knowing they're under this, like, safe, you know, carnivore diet mm. or paleo diet, whereas I'd, I'd almost rather them do that than be like, hey, I eat egg substitutes and skim milk or almond milk and, like, um, can't believe it's not butter. Like, that's mm. that's w- terrifying in my mind to have to consume that on a regular now, basis. Now, as
1: I understand it, because I, <laughs> I remember my dad had high cholesterol right it was like you know watch out you know he, he loves seafood but it's like hey can't eat seafood you know because lobster and butter you know you can't have that high cholesterol and the thought was I, th- I feel like if I remember correctly is high cholesterol could lead to you, to you having a heart attack or mm-hmm. something like that right or like clogged arteries or
0: yeah again it has to do with the cholesterol molecules and their ability to sort of like create the plaque in your blood like vessel. like so
1: is there any of that that's valid Right like that like that was um, there any potential good thought there, or is this all just
0: i I think, so I'm not a medical professional, okay. so don't quote me on this, my understanding is that. For a long time, we believed that dietary cholesterol absolutely plays in th- the biggest role in your like overall blood levels, and then we kind of went away from that theory that we were like, hey, okay. it doesn't ne- just because they have the same word doesn't mean they necessarily are the same. Okay. And then there's also the nuanced topic of molecular weight and size. So if you have high cholesterol of like one of the particular types of molecules. Um, but they're nice and big and bouncy and light, then that's less of a threat than like really tiny molecules. Yeah. And I think Dr. Mike Har- Mark Hyman talks about that on a podcast episode um, on cholesterol. So he's like, Hey, you can look at numbers. You can have someone with the cholesterol as high as 300, but if they're big bouncy beach balls, it's literally 0% risk to her cardiovascular health because that's not going to get stuck in an artery and create plaque and then narrow the vessel. Got it. And so it's like, that's my best understanding, Jared. You probably have more to say on that.
2: Yeah, and they taught us all that to an extent. I can't sit here and recite <clears throat> the science to you, but you know, they they like cited re- research that showed eighty percent of heart attack victims had like a quote unquote safe cholesterol level, and it's yeah. like these tests from the jump that they gave us, like the cholesterol tests, are archaic to begin with because it doesn't account for like the particle size, like you're referring mm-hmm. to. So it's like, yeah, which I. These things are not even quantifiable, you know. It's like, oh, I have such a high cholesterol, like I have to, like Joey's talking about, like avoid these things. But it's like, I just kind of base it off how I feel after I eat something. I mean, like all these tests and whatnot, it just, your body's not like a science experiment, you know, like a mathematical Mm -hmm. equation. So it's like, if I feel good after I eat a steak or whatnot, then my body's agreeing with it, you know. And there's so much that goes into that as well. But, like, how do you even go through life just trusting basically a piece of paper, like a test that you got? Yeah.
0: You know what? Their, uh, Joe Rogan's episode he dropped this week was with Will Harris. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that. He's uh, the, the man behind White Oak Pastures. But Will has a beautiful quote in there that says, You can't apply reductive science theory to living human beings. Like, because he's saying this about the farming agricultural industry. This is a living, hum- like, living, thriving ecosystems, and we can't apply this, like, reductionary scientific method to it. It just doesn't work. And that's exactly what you're saying. Like, we can look for all these diagnoses or these, like, stat sheets on a piece of paper, but at the end of the day, your dad's like, I feel amazing. I'm running three miles a day. I have great, like, overall health. Telling him to not eat lobster might not have been the best method. And of communicating how he can improve his health. So yes, it's not, I mean, it's not a cholesterol episode, but I, I think <laughs> I was that's just one example. I was just interested, yeah. I no, I, I love that you asked that. Cause I think it's one example of like, uh, if I walked out on the street today, here's a great example. And I was like, Hey, isn't red meat bad for your cardiovascular system? Isn't, doesn't that cause heart disease? I bet you 95% of people would say, yes, it does. I avoid it. And I do not believe that that is the case. Um, or if I said like, Hey, doesn't, aren't cattle ruining the environment? They'd be like, yep, Mm -hmm. definitely. Because there are these narratives, um, that are so strong and that they're being flooded everywhere. Um, not just social media, but like literally the news or literally, um, academic institutions are carrying these narratives through. So it's, it's really hard. That's kind of what I was referring to earlier about deciphering truth, um, and that's kind of. Like, yeah, and I
1: feel like if somebody walked up to me on the street, even without any of this information, was like, "Are cattle ruining the environment?" I'd be like, "What?"
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're like the you're the minority. <laughs> so confusing That's because you host the Homegrown podcast. And I
1: mean, even without that, I, just, I have to feel like, I mean, that would be such a strange. But they emit. But uh, they
0: emit methane, and they're a contributor to yeah, a gr- greenhouse know. gases, and it's really concerning. We're not going to talk about how they help sequester carbon, but it's fine. You totally leave that out of the conversation and people get sucked in. So, Jared, that's one of the reasons why I love you and love your account is because I feel like you do a lot of um, like myth busting or like you'll share stuff that has really robust backing on it. Um, You've re like a raw dairy post like last week or the week before or something that um, was just a repost, but it was like text slides really great information um and i loved it and it's like we need more voices giving us more context and nuance from a common sense level of nutrition than we need more doctors saying hey with my you know limited scope of nutrition but my high degrees i'm going to tell you how to eat um so uh, that's why i appreciate your perspective and your work and, um, honestly your Instagram account is fabulous. Everyone should go follow you, but, um, walk us through what that initial change after you went through the Primal Institute program, like how did you start incorporating these things into your everyday diet?
2: There's more so, there's like this naivete, that's how you pronounce the word, like with, especially with the (laughs) seed, like because the seed oil thing was nothing that I was even like, you know it wasn't on my radar before taking Mm -hmm. the the course of the Primal Health Institute and it just starts opening your eyes to like oh what's actually in this food at the grocery store you start reading more labels and you're like oh that was that was one of like the main things that I'm supposed to eliminate you know from because I mean it was like it was an educational course but it's also like having the best health coach there is at this you're like getting both at the same time so it's you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it was more like I'm eliminating all these things and then I think it grew more awareness where maybe this could I mean these things like you talked about the reductionist and the materialist way that we're looking at things there's a psychology in there that you can't really account for it either. Where I'm like terrified of seed oils now, so it's like. But I talk to my friends also, and they're and they're and they're not even educated like this, and they're like, "Well, I I just don't get why I feel like trash for three days after eating at a restaurant," and yeah, you start paying more attention and you start asking waiters and waitresses like, "What are you guys cooking this in?" And like sometimes you just have to bite the bullet because it's like there's they're all using canola oil or some sort of blend. Um, at their restaurants Mm -hmm. and it's like I'll feel it the next day you know like I I just feel Mm -hmm. like it it sets me back like a day or two and you just start feeling and my clients are the same way it's like they start feeling and understanding how certain foods are making them feel you know they can like literally Mm -hmm. start feeling a difference so that's like the feedback loop of like okay I'm gonna keep going on this path because I feel better
0: yeah um I think changing our fats was one of the things that was really helpful for me because once I understood that, uh, cause we did, we cooked for canola oil for a while, but I was like buying organic canola oil. Cause I thought it was like, Oh, well at least it's not like GMO and it's better for me. And it's pretty and yellow in this bottle. Didn't realize like they were deodorizing it. So I didn't know it was rancid. Um, and it was like one of the most highly processed, uh, liquids squeezed from like a seed <laughs> like the process is just gnarly if you've watched the videos um and then i started to really ask myself like okay well why why do i choose that oil is it because it w- i've seen like chefs cooking with it on a lot of food networks like they're always throwing olive oil in the pan or canola oil or they call it a, like a neutral oil i guess is a phrase you would use right in the culinary world uh yeah maybe um and then You know, like I had to kind of learn how to swap out those things, which is really easy. You have to scoop out a coconut oil or a lard or a tallow. And yes, it's solid at room temperature, but um, it's a beautiful cooking oil. And hey, guess what? It also has pretty high heat capacities and um, the flavor is actually beautiful and nice and rich and I loved it. Um, Even just cooking with, even cooking within an animal's own fat was like a cooking skill I had to kind of learn. Um, so the fat piece is really important and really helpful, but it's it's startling to me, like when you flip any sort of packaged food over at the grocery store, how often there are those oils in the foods, like even the organic stuff at Kroger it almost always has organic um it'll say uh cold pressed sunflower oil or something or canola oil and so they're just even if you're getting the organic packaged foods at the grocery store they still have these really um unbalanced fat profile oils and it's a concern and you don't know until you start looking at it um are are there any other things when you're working with your clients that you're like hey this is a big health challenge to overcome you really got to watch out for this and they kind of are stuck in that same thing because for me the cooking fats was really challenging
2: it's not even that's not even that's just an avenue to eliminate processed food for me i'm like oh we're taking out canola Mm -hmm. oil so like no more processed food because in my mind we're seeing these movements that are taking place on instagram and whatnot where we have these huge accounts and i think they mean well but they are basically like substituting like the worst possible product like here instead of honey nut Cheerios eat this cereal instead and it's still processed food like even if the ingredients Mm. are higher quality like yes it's going to be better than like the kellogg's and general mills of the world but like i still don't think we're intended to eat it and Mm -hmm. just getting rid of the it's like lifeless dead food to me and i i feel way better eating something fresh that's like um the only ingredient is the actual food you know so it's like yeah. Getting rid of all that stuff that's, like, coming in the packages and boxes and whatnot, even if the ingredients are quality, it's just a waste of money to me because those are just, like, expensive processed foods where you could be spending money mm-hmm. on, like, something pasture-raised or grass-fed or something that's, like, real from the earth and, like, what your body expects, you know, you to be eating. hmm
0: Yeah, I I tell that I say that, too, because there's such a high price point difference between conventional and then the organic version of processed food. But at the end of the day, the processed food probably isn't as nourishing or affordable as just whole real ingredients. And then that's kind of where it's like, you know, what if you don't have access to fresh food? What if you don't have access to this and that? And it's a challenging topic. So you really can't. It's important. It's an important conversation to have. But like there needs to be education and then there needs to be application how can we get people to apply this once they've learned it just because they can't apply it right now in this current season doesn't mean they don't deserve to learn it I actually think everyone should learn it even then when they get the means or the resources or the accessibility they can apply that message
1: so, so, uh, and, and I, I want to get back to it a little bit here, the story, but I love these, these tangent, con- these are like my favorite conversations when we kind of just go off on, oh, let's talk about cholesterol, but <laughs> go, going back to, you, we get home from Italy, Joey's we take all a about course, I like, I like the structure, <laughs> we, we take the course, um, up until, up until this point, as I've heard you say it before, you were allergic to cooking, <laughs> and I, I just have to ask, you know, when did you learn, how'd you learn to cook? So,
2: like, I was doing, like, a decent amount of it, but it wasn't, like, at a high quality, and then I'd say when the pandemic first hit, there was this girl who I was, like, I wouldn't even call her a friend, like, we were just acquaintances in high school, and, like, I was on Facebook for some reason, and I saw she's, like, a she's a chef now, and she's posting all these recipes, so... I reached out to her and I was like, teach me how to cook, you know? And it was like, she just started, (laughs) she basically just took me under her wing. And like, I couldn't have been a more annoying and like pestering, uh, subject for her where I was like, so at what heat, like 350 or 355, you know, just like every, every little (laughs) detail. And, you know, it's like everything else in life. If you just practice it and keep doing it, like we, we like tend to think that oh, I should be good at this. I should be good at that. I should be good at talking to girls. I should be good at cooking. It's like, you have to practice all these things. So I would just, yeah. like, I wasn't going to restaurants during the pandemic. And then she gave me a few methods. And then there was like a couple of accounts on Instagram that like, I really liked the the food that they were putting together. And I th- it's like a method thing. It's like, once you have like your go-to style of cooking, you can pretty much continue to replicate that and just make, you know, if you have protein and vegetables or whatever, you you can make it work with like the same method. And then I got better and better to the point where I created my own recipe book.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, for, first of all, first off, I think any chef is out there is gonna be stoked to like talk about cooking and food, and, and likely unless I mean I don't know how intense we got with like the questions but it was probably like yo you know 350 355 doesn't matter like you you could do 375 if you yeah, want you know right. it just depends you know you got to watch it you know <laughs> but the the um I, I love that so what kind of methods were you learning i mean were we talking like braising methods and saute like what kind of methods were you starting to learn 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 with
2: yeah braising for sure and then i don't even know what you would call it but it's basically like you just you would just i just like pretty much sear any type of meat like i could do a full chicken i could do a chicken yeah. quarter, I can do short ribs in like a cast iron pan, like a Dutch oven, and then you take it out you throw the vegetables in there, you kind of saute those up, and then you put the meat back in, and then you just finish it off in the oven, and it's like impossible, like the, the, the Dutch oven is like foul it's like impossible to mess something up mm-hmm. in that thing, and then when you're using mm-hmm. quality fats, like you know, grass fed ghee, and I think people are intimidated by cooking and like you like you guys said it's like i think you said this but i think the more simple you make it it's like you don't need like 15 spices like i use salt pepper and olive oil or like salt pepper and ghee it's like you know just very simplistic styles and it it always comes out delicious
1: now, I think you went an interesting route. Now, now, I went to culinary school before I went to business school. So I don't, I don't, maybe you didn't know that, and that's okay. But the, the thought that I had that was going through my head is man, this guy went through all this learning about food and nutrition and like what, I mean, technology is doing us, all this stuff at the, at the Primal Health Institute. And at, and at that point, you're like, now I got to learn how to cook, which I feel like, and, and maybe I've been wrong all this time. But was that intense? Like was that was that really discouraging and like super intimidating or I mean I are, are, I mean would you have done it any other way?
2: No, cuz I'd I i i am just like naive enough to think I can do anything. You know, it's like I just like take these As leaps. Yeah, it's like
0: Yeah. You
2: know, I've I've I can't even make a layup and I've worked in the NBA for almost 15 years. You know, it's like <laughs> It's a industry dominated by like ex athletes and ex players, so it's and I had no connections Mm. to it, so it's just like okay, I'm gonna try this now, and that's what I'm trying to do with the Instagram stuff too. It's like I was totally adverse to social media in the past. I was like, that's the dumbest Mm -hmm. thing ever. Like, why are you on there? You know, it's like because I I, Mm -hmm. it it makes us all like it we have to admit that it, there's a trade-off to it like we're on there and we're like creating content and there's like a because it's like an art you know i think the creation aspect especially if like you're doing it at a legitimate level but yep. being on there like i'd be far healthier i think if i just deleted my social media accounts it's like mm-hmm. it chips away at you in different ways you know <clears throat>
0: I 100% agree. I, and I'm saying that, (laughs) like, I love my Instagram community. I really do. I'm not going to get off anytime soon, but it, there's absolutely, it's so much time and energy to not only create the art, but like, even just, now sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's like, I'm going to prep this chicken for dinner. I might as well throw my phone up on the tripod and record it. And and then it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing! You made a chicken. I'm like, yo, I just made this for my family. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you would to just come over for dinner, you would just see me do it. There's other times where it's like, um, even like, yeah, just there's other parts of the internet that when you're trying to disseminate information, you got to work really hard. You got to like put together the graphic and write the caption or create the guide that helps people understand this complex topic. And it's so much time and energy. And like, I make a zero dollars off of Instagram like nothing there's no like monetary um, benefit to being on it it's just a way to share information and because of that it's like wow this is really taxing it's fun to talk and be social on social media like I always want that to be a social space but I agree with you that like if you're just looking to be healthier it's like, man, it's okay to not buy into the, you, you gotta be on social media all the time. For creators like you and me, it's just, it's part of our job. It's part of our work and we have to view it like that so that we respect it like that. Um, but yeah, I feel, I feel strongly about some, uh, some ideas around social media, but I'll keep those to myself. So
1: anyways, I love that the food cooking and the, the health. I feel like there are two major categories, mm-hmm. right? Two major categories that you kind of have to tackle. And you can't really have one without the other. Now, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the point that I was trying to make when I brought that up in that so many people, I feel like, hit a ceiling when they're, tr- when they're on their own real food journey, right? And we're talking to Jared right now about his real food journey. We've had a number of people on to talk about their real food journeys, and I love that, right? I love this progression that we go, for, go through from you know uh, Kraft macaroni and cheese and chicken parm, right, back in Chicago, to Italy, going out to eat for like every single meal eating, you know gnocchi and you know carved up foods because that's what I would do if I'm in Italy are you kidding me <laughs> and then and then we're rolling home and we're, we're jumping into you know a Primal Health Institute course to learn about I mean that's like a super in-depth way to learn that kind of information all the way to reach out to a chef friend to learn how to cook mm-hmm. um, love seeing that progression I mean this is exactly why we kind of like run through this this kind of like storyline of someone's life i mean look i mean if anyone listening that, that that the journey that jared has been on it's like well now he cooks and he does all this instagram stuff it's like it's not like he just one day thought you know what there's just like a niche out there on instagram i think i'm just gonna start talking about health food <laughs> it's like it's like it's just not it's just not how it goes you 0%, know yeah. it's just not how it goes and so uh, so so uh, we're learning to cook we're, we're working with our with our chef friend and you know at what you know from there you know what what are some of the groundbreaking discoveries with food you know health i mean shopping T- talk to me about that part of the journey even shopping is is an issue right
2: yeah it's like i think the ingredient part was the next thing for me where it's like researching like what is that exactly and it, I, I can't say that i know like what every single ingredient is but it's like oh that's fake sugar that's fake fiber Uh, those are flowers I don't want to be consuming you know the this particular crop is notoriously sprayed with agrochemicals so it's like understanding all those nuances Mm -hmm. where it just gives you more reason to avoid processed food so I think kind of uncovering that layer would would be the next was was my next step where just like now I can pick up you know anything at the grocery store like an energy bar or whatever it is and be proficient in like explaining this is this this is this and you don't want any of that you know and it's i think when you have that at least knowledge behind it like the the clients and whatnot they'll they listen to you more like people listen to people you know especially if you have a conviction behind Mm -hmm. it and like an understanding of it so um i'd say that would be next
0: what when you're dealing with um your clients and you're doing like one-on-one coaching, are they coming to you? Like in what state are they coming to you? Are they like, Hey, I've tried a million diets and nothing's working for me. Do they have some resemblance of a understanding of real food or are you really teaching them like from the ground up?
2: It varies. I'd say a lot of my clients, like they come to me in fairly good health. You know, it's like, I've had a couple that are dealing with weight problems or, like, dealing with psychological problems in terms of, like, an addiction to food and, you know, because I think from childhood we're all taught to use it as, uh, like, an emotional coping mechanism. It's like, oh, it's your birthday, let's have cake. Oh, you got an A on your test, here's Mm -hmm. a brownie, you're depressed, have ice cream. You know, it's like we just use it in those ways. So people, I think, they have challenges. So, like, I have a client like that, but, like, at least you know, half of them, I'd say, are like they think that they're being healthy, but they know intuitively that they're leaving something on the table or they don't feel quite as good um, as they want to be feeling. So it's like people that are already ambitious and like a lot of them, I would call like, you know, like they're accomplished people and they're like, oh, I want to get this part of my life settled too. So the biggest thing that Mm. you provide though, it's like the accountability factor you know and Mm -hmm. being a coach to them and like being somebody that supports them because nobody wants to feel judged if it's like oh I had a bad night last night and ate three brownies and I'm just like okay well we have tomorrow and then you know it's like I never make any of my clients like feel bad about any of the decisions that they make because you know you're trusting somebody with your health and then you're gonna you know talk to them every week it's like you want to feel like a good energy around that entire relationship. So it's like continuing to meet them where they are and um, have them just like the same way I did where it's like you went from eating Kraft macaroni and cheese to this to this and then like you slowly get there over time. It's like you just want to make small improvements and then keep stacking those together.
0: Yeah, I think so often like people try to overcomplicate health and overcomplicate eating and like you said overcomplicate cooking and I could not agree more what it sounds like is you're kind of like the level up guy you're like hey i'm i'm pretty healthy i'm i already have the drive and the wherewithal to like get myself there i just need someone to kind of hold my hand a little bit and it's like that's where you come in you help people go to the next level on their health and you help them um achieve whatever health goal they have in mind by being there one-on-one yeah there's my education there duh but um that relationship, that accountability is cool because like I think all of us could benefit from being in relationship with someone who's pushing us in the right direction. So it sounds like you're that person for them, which is cool.
1: That's awesome. I agree. I mean it's it's almost like you know It's like
0: optimizing your performance. Like go to Jared. This
1: this like hero on a journey sort of scenario where you've got this uh what do you call it? The mentor kind of relationship yeah Yeah, the mentor that can kind of get you over that And, and for Jared, right, he had a chef and he went, <laughs> he took like this core. I mean, there was, it's It's not, I mean, everyone's got this, right? Yeah. Um, t- talk to me about eliminating cravings. I had this written down before we even started. And it's something that I'm, that I'm really interested <laughs> in. I think I deal with this. He's
0: the king of cravings. I, um, <laughs> he really is the king of it.
1: I don't think I deal with it. I know for a fact but
0: And I'm, he's like, oh, I just really need a bag of chips. I'm
1: like super, super disciplined person in most, almost like all of my life. It's true and cravings man even though i don't always act on them i absolutely deal with them even i mean today i mean like all all the time and and an enormous i haven't i I haven't had flaming hot cheetos in like years
0: yeah, when you do snack, it's, like, pretty healthy snacks. But, like, even the fact that you have you have a lot more food cravings than I think I ever have. Oh, my gosh. Well, and
1: talk, I d- talk, Jared, talk to me about it. Yeah. Like, how, how are these developing? Help about. What do we what do? We do? <laughs> so like, am I a lost cause with it?
2: I think a lot of – and you probably don't even fall in this category, so it might be more nuanced for you. But I think a lot of the time it's just derived from people eating, making bad health decisions to begin with. And it could be so many things, mm-hmm. but it's like if you were eating um, – a breakfast that's too high in carbs in my opinion like and I'm not an anti-carb person like I eat sweet potatoes like four times a day and like plantains and like all these like starchy <laughs> vegetables and fruit mm. and whatnot but I think if you're not balancing it with the right amount of protein and and fat then I think that can lead to cravings if you're eating um, refined carbs or high sugar foods I think it's just like a cascade like I think health can cascade for you or against you and like it kind of conspires for you or against you depending on like all the decisions that you're making like even if you're drinking alcohol or not sleeping right i think that just has like a residual effect into whatever decisions you're Mm -hmm. making the next day but it could also be like you're not eating enough you know um at your previous meals but like i don't i'm not like a big snack person and i'll give like lists to all the people that I work with but like I literally just take a spoon and just like go right into a jar of coconut butter that's like my snack and I just like go right it's like people be like that's disgusting I'm like well it satiates (laughs) me you know maybe grab some olives like I I just don't do I don't like really get the need to snack
0: I think Joey's problem and this is why like when he made the transition to start training to run a marathon like he just didn't eat enough or like when he started lifting i mean you were probably like eating like 1800 calories a day and then your job is very active so he just needed to up his intake of calories in my opinion mm. um so i'm glad you mentioned that like if you're having cravings you probably just need to eat more real food eat more food during your actual meals um i mean i eat
1: till i'm full but i think that's it is possible that that's that that's the case and you're also
0: honestly i'm sorry to call you out on the podcast. <laughs> But you're eating while you're, wa- <laughs> Jared's like I'm in. <laughs> you're eating while you're watching something. Yeah. I often wonder, like, if you would put your phone down and just focus on eating. I think your brain needs to know that you're eating food. Interesting. Because I just I know you like to decompress. I do.
1: I do <laughs> like to decompress.
0: <laughs> and watch your like little videos or whatever when you're like on your lunch break or at home or whatever. I think if you had more mindful eating mm. practices, you would benefit i don't know do you agree jared
2: totally it's it's well you have a family it's it could be totally challenging for me like i'll eat i eat way slower if i'm out with friends or whatnot but when i'm just like at my house for lunch it's like i'm eating i don't i don't i put my phone away but um i eat so fast and there's definitely like such a major lesson in that you know because they say like you are what you absorb and digest
0: the
1: speed the speed at which we eat is that having to do with it?
0: Yeah, because you need to chew. Okay. Like twenty times. It's like, what about the office,
1: right? I get, I get, I get like, and this is where this habit has developed. Man, I'm just, I'm just like, I feel like I'm on a. We're outing him. Anyways, right? it's fine. He's right? an it's intervention. That's it's why different. you have on the show. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's secretly why I called Jared um, on. When,
1: when, when, when I'm at the office, right? I, um, I do a really good job of preparing my own meals, and I, I look forward to it. I get so excited because, you know, I I don't. Like order food for lunch, and like all of my all of our office like makes fun of me because I'm the weirdo that will eat the same thing over and over again, or or very similar at least. And I always cook in the kitchen for my lunch, which is people are like, "What the heck is he doing? Like, why isn't he just you know doing everybody else does and eat a granola bar, you know, whatever?" And I'm like, I I just I want to have a really proper lunch that that can that can help me. But I also I also you know. I might get 10 minutes until somebody's knocking on the, on the door or coming in or, or or I might get a phone call or, you know, an email comes in that immediately takes my attention. That's like, and so oftentimes I, I I don't have an office, but I'll I'll go to a conference room and I'll close the door and I'll, I'll put my food down. And like, I will see people that like will come up to like the door, like looking in, like wondering like when I'm going to come out, you know what I mean? And I feel this enormous pressure to just like scarf my food and I eat it so fast. Like we're talking, I, I might It's like
0: a salad. Like it's high fiber salad. You should I, be chilling. I, I
1: make, I cook up like sausage salad. Like I, I always, I like to do like a pack of olives and, um, your
0: poor body's like, <laughs> what's
1: going on? I, I probably eat it all down in like, like five minutes. <laughs> oh and it's, it, 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 uh, you know, and, and I do always like,
0: look at your phone.
1: I do always try to like, and, the, and, and this is going to sound so bad as I hope none of my staff is listening. But I open my computer, even if there's nothing on, I might turn a YouTube video on or something, because if I'm on a video call, they won't interrupt me. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like I have to have some reason why they won't. I won't. I can have lunch time to myself. Yeah,
0: you should protect that time. A lot and if I'm if I'm
1: just sitting in with food, I get no time, zero. So it's like if I go into a conference room, I close the door, and I have my computer <laughs> open, like a YouTube video on, then I, I get that time to myself. So, anyways. Um, it has developed a really bad habit where I come home and I'll have a meal, and it's like my brain is trained to like want to have. Some I want to watch this YouTube video. While I, I, while watch eat this, food. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. It's, it's, it's not it's, ideal. So what time
2: me. are your oh, cravings man. coming in? Like in the afternoon?
1: Nighttime. Oh my gosh. Nighttime. nighttime. After dinner. All uh, After dinner. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: usually, like while we're watching TV, he's like, "I'm just feeling."
1: I'm snacky. dying, <laughs> uh, like, dude. It's bad. Like sometimes I'm like, "I'm going to the store now." Like, and what do you so get? <laughs> Oh, yeah, my you gosh. You'll get good stuff. You'll get, Meat like – cheese. It could be yeah. fruit, uh, apple, and butter. We made a feta butter. dip last night. That was amazing. Feta dip. You know what, though? You know, um, my 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 brain and, like, my heart is, like, I just really – like, they're in conflict, right? Because, like, my heart's, like, a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. And he knows. That's important. Oh, I you. don't do it. 29.
2: Okay. You can get away with so, the Cheetos so, right now, though. I think when you're my age, I may, Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> Anyways, I, you know, I, like I, I get that craving, I don't, I don't go buy the Cheetos, right? I go, I go get something, you know, likely better for me. I've been doing like make a protein shake when I get the when I get the uh, cravings.
0: Probably because you're lacking calories.
1: That's been good. So, but I, but I have been, do- but I have been doing a lot of training. What Elizabeth said, and that's, um, I, I run on average like 35 miles a week, yeah, and, um, and I lift like three times a week. So
0: it's very active. Um can we get off this topic sorry
1: yes i felt like i was i was uh i'm just want
0: to encourage you to maybe eat slower and don't look at a screen Um, you know what
1: i'm taking notes here eat slower and uh, don't watch anything so
0: um one thing joey and i have kind of been talking through a little bit this is totally going off topic but you mentioned alcohol i'm curious what your take on alcohol is jared
2: well, I don't, I don't see any benefit to drinking it, but like a lot of my clients drink it and I just try to, we just try to make improvements. It's like if you have seven drinks a week, like let's get down to five and let's develop better habits around that, which can be, you know, instead of like going out at night, like going to happy hour. Cause you don't really want to be drinking it within like two to three hours of going to sleep, um, mm. making better decisions on what kind of alcohol you're drinking and, uh, Trying to hydrate like while drinking like that coincides like having like a eight ounce glass of water for every alcoholic drink you have so just like making it healthier per se like I'm not gonna I think you can mm-hmm. still be healthy and drink alcohol you know like it's it's uh, kind of a deep topic because people could be using it for different reasons but you know there's also an aspect where if you're going out and enjoying yourself and like in a community and like having couple drinks like responsibly like somebody could argue that that's healthy for you you know like i Mm -hmm. i don't like it because i just think it slows me down i think it like chips away at my digestive health and you know i went through my phase in high school where i was like the guy throwing up every weekend like you know i was like the degenerate guy and then i just Mm -hmm. i just never been into it after high school really Mm.
1: what forms of alcohol do you recommend if people are going to drink. Like, if curious. you can
2: drink tequila or, like, a potato vodka, like something gluten-free, I think, and then, like, if you could pair that also with, um, like, you know, like, I wouldn't drink it with something high sugar. Like, I wouldn't drink, like, you want to stay away from, like, combining it with, like, soda or Red Bull or anything like that. And Because alcohol is all automatically going to spike your blood sugar. So if you could, like, combine it with something that will, like, help slow that down with like like natural vegetables or fruit like or blending it with like something like avocado or coconut or cucumber or something like that that will like give you some like natural food in there to help balance it out i think is a good habit for people to practice
0: what if you're eating and drinking at the same time like i mean i'm drinking tequila but i'm eating guacamole
2: i think that that's probably a plus in your on your side <laughs>
1: Is this you? I mean, are you just... No, no, no. I I hate to keep I just hear her saying this. I'm like, people probably out there thinking, like, dude, Joey and Elizabeth are secretly trying to figure out how they can drink (laughs) as much alcohol as possible. To be honest, I'll be really
0: honest on this podcast. Joey and I, honestly, like, we haven't really like we kind of stopped drinking alcohol, but like we don't make the claim of like we don't drink because there might be times like in celebration where we don't feel weird at all about drinking it. Um, like if we're hosting people. like
1: I think it also just boils down to sometimes like time and how I feel like things I have coming up. I, You know, it's like if I'm going to do a big run tomorrow, I in my brain, I'm like, I don't want to drink any alcohol today. Yeah. And that kind of carries over. <laughs> and then after I do a big run, the last thing my body's craving is alcohol.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I think because like I've had a complex relationship I think just thinking through it because I'm seeing a lot honestly on social media you're probably seeing this too Jared of like there's a lot of people out there right now just saying like alcohol is the worst thing for your brain like you're gonna die or whatever like you're gonna shave off years of cognitive behavior because you're drinking alcohol and anytime I hear big claims like that I always like pause I try to take in the information I'm like okay they probably have a point you're right it's not really benefiting my health right now um, but these are like I try not to be the person that grabs at the next, like, avoid this thing. Like, avoid all sugar or avoid all XYZ. Um, and I know I know certain health trends are exactly that. They're a trend. And while these people are, I'm sure, valid in, in informing us, like, I just didn't want to make that claim. Like, we don't drink alcohol or we do or whatever. But... Forming a life where I'm asking more of my body than I ever have before because i'm working out and I'm trying to wake up early to get work done and I'm trying to be really intentional and patient with my kids, building that life structure has in um, inversely what's the word I'm thinking of has in <laughs>
1: naturally maybe has naturally (laughs) organically
0: (laughs) (laughs) has organically (laughs) has organically lessened my like quote want or desire to drink alcohol so it's not like i'm like on this moral high horse by saying I'm not going to drink alcohol. It's just that I feel like we're building this life that's like, Hey, actually there's so many things that we want to do and our body needs to be in prime tip top shape. And that could be said for anything. That's like, I wouldn't eat five desserts a week. Like I just, I don't eat dessert every night. I don't eat sweets every day. Same thing. I wouldn't drink five drinks a week anymore. There's probably a time in my life where I would, but because I'm trying to build this life where I'm trying to be highly productive, highly impactful, um, strengthen my body like I'm 30 I'm young like I still have so much time ahead of me and I want to set a good example for my kids it's building that life where I I actually need to focus on performance that has helped shift my person my personal preference towards alcohol now when we drink we try to only drink like really specific wine that's like no sugar added low alcohol um cleaner stuff because if I drink trash wine it's just it's a trash it's a highly processed food it's it's I don't know why people put it in different category but it's a highly processed food so you got to source that right um or like clear alcohols or something like that where we're mixing it with our own like mineral water and like a squeeze of lime or something we're not using mixers or um like yeah margarita mix or whatever like we would just wouldn't use that at that point but all that to say I just wanted your input because that's a conversation that Joey and I have personally been having in our own house And like I said, we're not going to like come out and make this big, bold statement, but it is interesting thinking about the life that you want to build and how all of a sudden you can look back on your food and drink choices and say, hey, I actually really need to make sure I get all my protein in today because I need to do this tomorrow. or I really need to make sure that I don't just crash and burn and like eat a whole bag of chips because I will feel like crap the next day and then I can't do what I need to do. Mm. So it's like thinking of it through that lens versus I need to be perfect with my diet. That's like, to what end? Like, why are you doing that? So,
1: sorry. That, no, that's outstanding. Yeah, that's outstanding. Anything, anything else to add, Jared, on the, on the alcohol thing I, I, before I?
2: Not really. It. it makes total sense. It's like, I feel the same way. It's like, if I do something that's going to derail me, I'm not going to be able to get what I want to get done the next day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we were talking about eliminating cravings, and I know that. Uh, you know, hopefully I could I could take one for the team here and everybody got to hear that, you know, I have cravings and maybe they could learn how they could also combat their own. I'm sure there's other people out there like me. I hope there's other people out there like me that are that are, you know, rolling into the evening and there's just something that happens. I don't know. It's just like that, that 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 uh eight PM Joey comes out and he just wants to eat snacks. I don't know. It could be uh, like could you're be,
2: craving co- something else and maybe you just think it's food.
1: You know, I think it's mm.
2: like people that go and get a cookie every afternoon after lunch. It's like, do you like really mm. want that cookie or are you like looking for social interaction with like colleagues or are you looking for something completely Ooh. different and you're just getting that cookie out of habit. So it's like if you have a habit that, that doesn't even sound like that bad of a habit for you, you know, it's not like you're snacking on a bunch of garbage, but if you have a habit that isn't productive for you, I think finding like you know, you need to experiment and test it out on yourself and, like, you need to make things easier for yourself, you know. Like, if you're trying to build a habit, like, uh, you want to go to the gym every day, if you bury your gym shoes in your closet, like, deep in the closet every day, and then you have to go jump in there and dig through it, it's going to be a miserable experience for you. You're not going to want to go back to it as opposed to, like, okay, my shoes are right by the door. You're, like, cueing yourself to just make things easier. It's, like, the same as, like, if you have a cell phone addiction. It's, like put it in another room for that hour and a half that liz is talking about when you want to be like focused and getting so much done like make it easier on yourself because like some of these things we can't override just by pure willpower it's like you need to give yourself an assist
0: yeah Mm. and recognize like eating that cookie might spike uh like a dopamine hit or whatever and that y- there's other ways you can do that you could maybe like go for a walk in the evening or like work out or i don't know mm. what else but yeah
1: right on outstanding hey everybody maybe She's you're always gonna <laughs> work on it <laughs> <laughs> check in with me later see how we're doing <laughs> this is great this is good um uh, i also wrote down here lo- losing fat and I think this is, this is, this can always be like a touchy, a touchy subject. a touchy subject, yeah. yeah. I, I mean.
0: Even you saying it, I feel like people are going to be like, oh no, are Liz and Joey going to tell everyone to lose weight?
1: Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about losing fat. And um, if, if we want to, if we, if, if we want to use Joey's escape scapegoat, I'm happy to, to be another you example. You zero fat to lose. Anyways, <laughs> um, would happily be that But t- t- uh, Jared, talk about losing fat. What, what, what are we doing here? What's, what's the, talk to me about this. I
2: think it should always be holistic and like something that you plan on kind of doing permanently. So it's like people take these Mm. quick fix approaches and it's like, oh, I'm going to go keto for a couple months. But it's like, don't go keto or don't do whatever you're planning on doing unless you're prepared to kind of like do it in the long term. Like if it's like it should be like a lifestyle, you know, and then I think once you start embracing some of these holistic habits, like your body just kind of finds itself to like that homeostasis point at least that's my perspective and like i think you need to work with it and kind of tweak things as you go along because there's no like these people that act like there's like this perfect formula and it's like well calories in calories out like that's such a such a reductionist way of looking at things where like your body is Mm. computing like so many different aspects where like it's like your sleep your stress all these things like your hormones. that you may need to be like a lot of the people that i work with like they start losing fat once they start eating more i'm like you're not getting enough calories so your body is in this state where it's like um it doesn't feel secure you know because it's like you're not nourishing it so it's like it's holding on to the fat because it may need that as a reserve because you're starving it so it's like boosting your calories boosting your metabolism with i think there's certain foods and strategies to do that and experimenting with it and being patient, you know, and it's like, it's definitely not like I don't even think about it anymore. Like I used to, I think I was like 20% body fat and now I'm like 10, 11 and like I don't really change. It's like it's so far out of my scope in terms of like what I want to do with my health. But a lot of the people that I work with, it's like, you know, I think when you get to a different level, it's like you just want to feel good, you know, and it's like not the mm-hmm. driving force, but, um, I feel like the strategy is, is the same as if like you're dealing with any sort of health issue. It's like still the same game plan, you know? And it's like, if that's what's, uh, resonating with somebody where it's like, I got to lose fat. I got to lose fat. Like I still, it's like still the same prescription. Like, this is what, this is what we're doing. Like we're still eating whole foods. We're still moving in a certain way. Like you just me maybe need a, shift some things around in terms of, like, your calorie intake. But, like, I never count calories with my clients like that. Um, You know, like, maybe for three days I'll have them, you know, just log their food on, like, the MyFitnessPal app just so we have a baseline. And I'm like, yeah, you probably want to get more protein. And we don't even want to create that type of maniacal relationship, I don't think, where we're, like... Because your body, it's like, I think you need to look at things more from like a weekly or a monthly standpoint it's like your body will cue you if you're not getting enough protein and then you should be compensating like once you get those cues from your body as opposed to like i need to get this amount every single day you know it's like more like how much are you getting over the week or over the month
0: Mm. that makes sense you broadening your time that you're really kind of analyzing because then it gives you more wiggle room Uh, I saw a post the other day that was like highly, I would say, I would argue controversial, but it was basically saying like, hey, um, female like diet culture has turned into this thing where it's either we're going to so far reject the diet culture of the 90s. So we're never going to say that any amount of fat weight gain is bad or it's like, hey, we're going to be super fit and bulky and focus on yeah like what you're saying counting calories and be really regimented and there's like a weird polarization between it's almost like i want to speak to the people who they want to have a healthy body weight and they they also know that their body weight does not define their worth it's like we can hold both of those together we don't have to always say hey you know after you had kids um whatever shape if like doesn't matter like you're good to go because like me I've had three children I don't feel that way I don't feel like no I'm like no I I want my body to be peak performance so I can go run three miles or I oh my gosh my youngest child is so fast like I'm even thinking today like I need to bring my mile time down to like eight thirty because she's so fast and like I have to keep up with my kids and so if I'm just like you know, I've had three kids and it's okay to have a higher percentage of body fat right now, even though my bone structure probably is built for something less, but like, I don't want to go back and I have, I have a history of eating disorder. So I, I'm very familiar with that, but I still think we can hold those two um, concepts together, but it's so nuanced and complicated. It's really hard to articulate. So for you as a health coach saying like, Hey, I help people lose fat. To me, I'm like, some people probably see that as controversial because they're like, no health at every size. But I, I, want you to just talk for a moment about like hey the benefits of losing fat and gaining muscle having proper body composition that's like where we are supposed to be as humans it's not this like hey anyone can be at any weight and that's healthy for them so i don't does that make sense respond to that however you want totally
2: and it's like i feel like as society we just swing from one extreme to the next where it's like that extreme diet culture and now it's like we're gonna be tolerant and accepting and it's like okay, but now you're glorifying unhealthy practices, in my opinion. And it's like, if somebody feels great, Mm -hmm. and like, they're overweight, like, fine, you know, it's like, I'm like, more power to them, like zero judgment, I really don't care. Um, But it's like, it is important, and it dictates a lot with our health, you know, so I, I just look back and like, I never want to be that guy that's like well our ancestors you know it's like you constantly saying our ancestors this our ancestors but like nobody was like obese back then like they were probably agile and thriving and nimble and like cut up and like all had these like Adonis like physiques where because they were just eating real food and like moving naturally and I feel Mm. like all of us should be like that to an extent. And, like, obviously there's a lot of challenges and, like, nobody needs, like, I don't, I'm not perfect. Like, I'm not a bodybuilder. It's, like, it, it, it is about how you feel. And, like, I feel like your f- people really just want to, above all, they may say that, like, fat loss is the number one thing. But they really just want to be happy, I think. and. hmm all these things work together, it's like you can't just separate one. It's like the same way your body works, you know, where it's like, Oh, well, I'm targeting a liver detox right now, or whatever it is, where it's like you just have to look at things completely holistically. I think, and um, again, it's almost like tricking them, you know, where it's like, Okay, yeah, we're gonna lose this fat, but it's really just gonna make you feel better and be in a better mood, not because you look better aesthetically, but because like now your body's functioning way more optimally, where it's like now you have more energy. You have more joy, like, because of the foods you're eating. Because there's such a connection with what you're eating and, you know, your mental health. Like, above all, like, I would just sit on the couch in the past and I'm like, why do I, why am I, like, suddenly having this, like, melancholy feeling? Nothing's happening in my life. But, you know, you ate something that, like, is whatever firing certain neurotransmitters or however you want to break it down yeah. where it's like okay yeah. I'm depressed now blame it on the pasta you know
0: mhm no i think that i i personally hate the like divorcing of mental health and physical health because they are one in and of itself like our mental health our brain health and also gut health is directly related to the uh, the other functions of our body and so Yeah, I I just wanted your input on that, because it's a touchy subject, and it's, I hope, like, we talk about food freedom a lot here, and about how, and what we mean by that is, hey, we don't cut out large um, food groups. We eat grains, but we try to make sure they're, like, sprouted, soaked, whatever, Um, and they're not, like, our primary source of food. We also, like, do dairy, but we specify it's raw dairy, whole dairy, um, the best quality we can get and so that kind of food freedom meaning hey I can I can make something that's nourishing to me that might reflect something I had as a kid but we can, it, we can use beautiful ingredients and um, I don't feel like I live a restrictive diet I never walk through the grocery store and I'm like oh man I wish I could let myself eat cereal I don't want the like lucky charms I genuinely don't want it but th- I, that's the kind of food freedom that I feel um, is super important but with that it's like food and body image are so tied, especially for us as women and sometimes it can be like well food freedom is good and also like we can we can um be our healthiest selves at any size that we want and like we know that that's not necessarily true but how do we like if I were to announce on my social media that I was going to burn fat specifically I feel like I'd get a lot of hate it would be like why do you feel like you need to burn fat maybe it, maybe that's a bad example because like right now I don't feel that but if it's just that concept of like no 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 don't go back to the 90s um uh like hyper focus on thin 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 when in reality it's more like no i want my body composition to change because i want to be stronger and faster has nothing to do with how i look at a bathing suit i don't care about that i'm married like who cares so yeah anyways
1: i love it yeah that's outstanding hey let's uh as we're we're moving on here jerry i would love to love to hear what does a day in the life look like for you you wake up in the morning and t- take us take us take us on that uh, that journey well
2: i'm a pretty early riser you know like i've i've i'm like i sleep well but i've never been a great sleeper you know like even my mom just visited california and i was just like a terror when i was like a kid it was like six hours and like then i'm watching cartoons or whatever so it's like i don't <laughs> sleep like in terms of volume i don't even think human beings are meant to sleep like Like, it's, I'm like, how do you sleep nine straight hours? That's insane to me. So, like, if I get, like, I usually get somewhere between, like, maybe six and a half, seven and a half hours, like, so I'm up at, like, 5 a.m. a lot of the time. And, like, I won't look at my phone for, like, at least an hour and a half, just, like, try to ease into the day, you know, like, the first thing I do, make my bed, You know, like you want to start your day with a win and like um, Mm. I think your brain doesn't like seeing clutter. So it's like you go into your room. It's like you need like a nice environment to live in. It's just like even on a subconscious level, I think all these things can be affecting our health or it's like clutter creates anxiety. You know, it's not like I live in the tidiest place, but like making your bed is like such a simple five minute thing that people can do just to start like. It's like a self-confidence thing, you know, too. So it's like, that's the first thing I always do. And then drinking water, sea salt, uh, lemon juice is pretty much like my morning cocktail. Then I'll meditate for 10, 15 minutes. Like I was like, I would go outside and like ground, you know, every morning. Like I have like, you know, Mm -hmm. on my street, like I was, or I would like go down to the beach because I only live like 15 blocks and like just grounding and like getting natural sunlight for like... 15 minutes but now it's winter time and I'm just like I haven't really been doing that as much because my morning routine it's like a marathon like I'm still talking about it and you guys asked me this question like 15 minutes ago so it's like <laughs> um and then I'll make breakfast um which usually consists of like eggs or like my legendary pancake recipe like sometimes I'll make that mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I'll look at my phone like after doing all those things like then I, like I'll look at, like, my social media and stuff, and, um, like, if I'm planning on putting out, like, some sort of piece of content, maybe, like, I'll kind of tune that all up, make sure, like, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I need everything to look perfectly, so do that, and then I usually go lift weights after that, or, like, whatever, like, I'll lift weights three times a week, so, like, on the off days, like, I'll take, like, a one and a half hour hike like we have a lot of like mountains and and whatnot around here so like I'll do one of those two things come back make lunch um depends on what I need to do like I might lay down for like 20-30 minutes after that or like I'm not very good at getting work done at my house like so I'll like either go to like my gym or like a coffee shop or something and like A lot of my time has been devoted lately towards working and creating this course that I'm putting out. So that'll take up my afternoon. And then, like, if I'm lucky, maybe I'll go down to the beach for, like, the sunset, um, which I think Mm. getting all that natural light throughout the day is, like, going to be so important for your health. Like, I put, put like, circadian rhythm and circadian biology, like, right up there with nutrition. You know, like, all this Mm. artificial light that we're consuming now, especially deep into the night you know, um, it's totally unnatural for us. So nonetheless, I'll probably stare at my phone all night after that. And <laughs> after eating, Sorry. after eating dinner and like, I usually, I take a lot of magnesium baths. It's like, I think it just checks so many boxes because it like, it gets me off my phone. It gets me like mineralization that I think a lot of us are deficient in and it like relaxes and calms my body before sleep. So that's kind of like my nighttime routine like i turn off all the lights what are here. you
0: using like epsom salt
2: yeah i think it's like called the dead sea salt or like ancient minerals makes one um that's just like magnesium mm-hmm. flakes and like i get consistently good sleep like when i do that and then turn off all the lights like after sundown like i'll turn off all the lights my house is like a sleep dungeon you know it's like i got all mm-hmm. these himalayan salt lamps that lights everything up and um we have to she we have to rest. like cue our think cue ourselves to like start getting ready for sleep. You know you can't just like hop in bed at ten thirty. It's like a whole process that goes throughout like an entire day. You know what you do is going to and... impact your sleep. So um, the lighting is the most important thing, in my opinion.
0: I think that's I think that's something that Joey you and I can improve on because I do have glasses that I wear, but I haven't worn them recently. And, uh, it can be really easy to just like end the day looking at a screen or, um, yeah, even like wake up first thing in the morning, you look at your phone. And so even hearing like, you don't look at it, you don't touch it until after breakfast is helpful. Um, I, what I used to be really consistent about getting morning light and I like outside morning light. Cause inside it's not like you can just flip on your kitchen lights. You're like, I'm getting light in my eyes now. There's not enough photons there. Like you have to get outside um so that's why I love hearing people's day in the life because that's helpful for me what are you usually eating for dinners
2: usually like a protein like I'll 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 really only eat animal meat like one time a day like I'll get like I'll probably eat eggs for breakfast and lunch a lot of the time sometimes like you Mm -hmm. know like I'll throw like fish in there like for lunch like if I'm I usually will eat, like, raw uh, vegetables for lunch. Like, I'll make, like, a salad, so it's, like, um, and then I'll definitely have some sort of protein in there, but it's usually just eggs. And then, like, for dinner, I like going more cooked vegetables. And, like, you know, it just depends on the week. Like, I'll go from, like, ground beef to uh, short ribs to chicken quarters to salmon. You know, it's, like, I try to get a variety um, of things just to make sure I'm kind of staying up to par on like all my, cause I can't compute these things. You know, everyone's like, you need to get your omega threes up. And it's like, I don't, I mean, I'm not, a, am <laughs> not going to sit here and chart that stuff. So I like just getting a diverse, uh, set of foods, like cooking with diverse amount of fats, like, you know, just trying to get coconut yeah. oil, grass fed butter and ghee. And then like olive oil is like pretty much the only four I use just cause it's like, I think each one has a different benefit and protein like from different animals is going to have different benefits also. So I'm just like trying to keep it versatile.
0: Yeah. Vary your proteins is something we do too. Like we try to not eat three days worth of beef. Like we go beef, chicken, some kind of seafood. Um, and even like how we cook it, honestly, we try to vary just to, just to spice it up, but that's good.
1: As we kind of get to a close here, Jared, what's something you're learning these days?
2: I'd say the mental resiliency it takes to run your own business. It's like mental warfare every, like every single day, you know, and it's not something that I'm, I've always worked for the man, you know, corporate America. And it's like now Mm
1: -hmm. you're
2: your own entity and it can, there's a lot of pressure involved in that. So it's like a lot of self-talk. Like, you know, that's why like every time I post on uh, Instagram, it's like got Muhammad Ali audio behind it because it's like there's like a power in terms of you have to fake it till you make it it's like I've never had success I've never even embarked in this area of my life before so it's like you have to kind of continually like put out that energy and like believe that it's going to work out so it's like you know whatever works for you whatever is like inspiring to you Um, and trying to, like, stay on that path because you're going to have, like, good days and bad days and it's hard to even quantify. It's like only, you know, X amount of people saw my content today or it's like, you know, it's like such a roller coaster. So it's like trying to stay level with that and finding ways to, like, you know, stay positive with it is really like the, you know biggest thing it was a struggle for me at first you know especially getting on social media it's like i've never had that until a year ago and then getting on that i was like you know because like it's such a deep concept social media where there's so much mental health tied into that and like something rooted in our genes, I think, where it's like you put something out there and you're basically like, you're almost getting judged by like the collective, even though it's just a computer, and algorithm. So like whatever somebody says, no matter how enlightened they may be, you know, you want to be accepted and it's like you're being accepted or like rejected by like the universe if you put something out there. And it's like, so it's like dealing with that because, you know, I'm trying, I'm probably dramatizing it to an extent, but it's like, you know there's something in that where I think all creators feel and it's like stressful where it's like oh my content's not performing well and and whatnot and like trying to you know rationalize that because it like stings it's like every time I log on to Instagram I have to like relive like some sort of childhood trauma you know where it's like Um, because there's just a lot going on there and it's like I burn sage after like being on there just like get that energy (laughs) off me you know it's like it's it's wild in there
0: I'm glad you're saying this I know we talked about this earlier in the episode too but like that's a real part of business ownership if you're going to be a create an online creator which even like calling yourself an online creator is a monument in itself it took me a long time to admit that this is my job now like even though i launched a, a curriculum a year and a half ago it's taken me till about like this month to be like no i i have a a business that is on a mission for something and that's okay like i can still have my other parts of my life The social media part is challenging because you do want to like show up so authentically and genuinely but when you put like I always make the joke it's the posts I put the least amount of effort into that freaking do the best every single time which is so annoying because I'll sit there for three hours and put up a 10 carousel slide of like this is all of the information you need. This will literally change your life and it'll get like 300 likes. And that which for like for account the size of mine is like nothing. And then I'll do what I do the other day that was just like a couple things that I said we're into. I was like these are the things we're into. And it got like 20,000 likes. Literally made that post in like 5 minutes. I did this a couple months ago. And it's like it's so it's such a mental strengthening opportunity to say and this is what I used to say to myself so this is what I'm going to pass on to you Jared I used to say that social media anytime I engage on there it's like hosting a party and there's some parties where it's like everyone shows up right on time like you you put that post out it's like right off the gate people are there and they're liking and they're commenting and you're like oh the party's driving like this is (laughs) amazing there's some parties where it's like people, it's a slow trickle. It's more of an open house. People go in, they, they leave, they comment, whatever. And it's like, there's still there's still value there. You're still engaging there. You're still affecting people. You're still in community, being social with them. That's the biggest part to me is social community or social um interaction on social media and then like there's some where it's like hey it's a more intimate group you know it might be that post that got like 50 likes on it or whatever or it's like a giant party and you're like oh my gosh I wasn't anticipating this now my phone's blowing up there's also a level of chaos with that so it's like if all I can do is be a gracious host all I can do is set a platform where people feel comfortable to come in um leave their comments, share their um, experience. And as long as I'm kind and respectful to people, like the rest is on Instagram's ridiculous algorithm, to be honest. And I'm just gonna be a party host. And it kind of like separates me from the emotional tug of war of like, is my content performing? Because I've been there, I've seen my account blow up overnight, I've seen it sit there the same for two months. Both are challenging. And so anyone who's a creator, doesn't matter in what lane it's like you just gotta separate it out and just have your own standards for your personal like mission and if i'm a good host i don't care about the rest so i don't know i hope that's encouraging to you but it i i empathize because it's it's a grind for sure
2: no i love that i'm gonna start telling that to myself hosting a party today You should. It's, I mean, it's the best party What's on instagram exciting? i just feel like you know the millions haven't caught on yet but
1: <laughs> they'll be there <laughs>
0: And you know what they will? They will. You throw the enough billions. parties, they'll be there. I love it. Yeah, That's
1: outstanding. Jared, this has been so fun. I like. We gotta plan a trip to get out to wherever you live. Liz at, is scared whatever, of but... L.A.
2: though. You know, I feel like we would embrace her, about. take her to Airwan. <laughs> yeah, the... You know, all the spots.
0: Please show me around L.A. so I can be less intimidated. Like, nobody
2: cares about, about you here. Hype. You know, nobody cares about anybody but themselves here. <laughs> so it's like, trust me. Like, no one's gonna be like not treating that's you true. well. It's like they're all in their own world, that's true. you
0: know? Okay. They're all in their own Perfect. world. Perfect. No one cares about you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually helpful. Thank you. Well, it's
2: true everywhere we go. Hey. I feel like, you know, nobody, like, we're talking about this content thing. It's, like, so important to us when you put some. like, when I put something out, it's, like, so yeah. important, and then, like, nobody really cares. It may, it, it it's, like, it clicks with people, but then, like, the next day, you don't even care. You're, like, how's the next one, you know? It's, like nobody really cares everyone's like in their own world i think
0: yeah absolutely
1: jared this has been outstanding uh thank you so much for jumping on with us i'm sure we'll be talking again soon and um before you go ahead
0: i was gonna say before he leaves i want people to know where they can find you but also do you want to talk about your course really quickly that's watching
2: Yeah. So it's called the health goat, which stands for greatest of all time. And it's basically like a total health course. You know, I think a lot of people are like, I'm gonna, I need to heal my gut or heal my hormones. But this is like, I don't think the body works like that. I don't think life works like that. So this is basically like a all encompassing health course, you know, like mastering nutrition, then moving on to lifestyle, like sleep, stress management, um, movement, you know, phone addiction, all these things that are like tripping us up. It's like basically what I do with my one on one clients and I've like transposed that into a digital online course. Um and it will be the greatest of all time or else I wouldn't have named it appropriately that. So um Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. pretty much like I'm at the one yard line. Like I'm gonna launch it sometime this upcoming week. And yeah, that's where I've been putting a lot of my energy like the past five months, like um, doing that and then working with some people on a one-on-one basis who may need a little more like personal attention you know like they want that coaching experience and whatnot um, so they'll be able to find that on the health goat which is just spelled in all uh, spelled correctly basically the healthgoat.com. Um, the course will be cool. up there and then obviously my instagram is at birth.right.health but they should follow me soon yeah, because it's like the bandwagon's about to get really crowded, and you know, I may not be accepting people <laughs> as much moving <laughs> moving forward.
0: Get on the ship right now because it's leaving quickly, exactly. And then after that, nobody cares about you in LA, so it's fine. Yeah, we need to get you out here, though. uh, we I know, do a live I need podcast. To need to do um, yes, That's I'm into steady. that. Uh, by the time this episode drops your course will be out for sure um i think so go check that out at thehealthgoat.com super cool
1: find jared on instagram at birthright and then you're not you have a TikTok. yeah right?
2: same name birth.right.health same
1: right. name so at birth.right.health yeah. Correct.
0: yeah love
2: it y'all are awesome yeah i appreciate you having me on this was a blast i could have gone another 12 rounds
0: you know, keep going. I know. I That's how it kind of always goes. I'm In like, don't end this, yeah,
2: Joey. You're it. the monitor. Don't end this. We're only, we just got started.
0: <laughs> we got more time. You know what? There's always room for a second episode. So uh, we've brought, we're we about to bring up our first guest on but for our second episode. So we're Love always it. willing to
1: do that. No, Zen was already on twice.
0: Oh, you're right. Zen was on twice. Uh,
1: Jared, next time we talk, we'll have to talk about another problem that I have. I'm sure I've got more. Cravings yeah,
2: right. is like it right now. So, uh, the, yeah. the cravings is it right yeah, now. Cra- <laughs> Cravings,
1: yeah. (laughs) The cravings. Next time it'll be, you
2: know. I feel like you guys make your own homemade ice cream, though. I feel like I've seen you do that,
0: Liz. Yeah, for sure. And like, I'm totally cool with. Again, that's like the health. That's like the food freedom piece. It's like I'm never going to tell you like, don't eat ice cream if it's literally raw milk, maple syrup, and vanilla and egg yolk and cream. Like, I have zero problem with any of that. Yeah, it's incredible. But it's not really like. For him, it's more like, no, I just want to crunchy salty bag of chips to make some, some plantain chips indulges yeah oh. honestly like making homemade ch- and there's actually like a pretty decent brand that makes chips um fried in lard that like um and then we kind of season them up so i like put some seasoning on them bake them in the oven make them super warm that's a pretty but at the end of the day like that's not really adding anything to our nutrition it's just craving what kind of chips do you cra- use? curbing his craving um, those are just regular potato chips cooked in lard. I can't remember. I think it's, uh, I can't remember the brand name. I know
1: what you're talking about that.
0: It's like beefy. We sometimes s-
1: do sourdough pizza.
0: Beefy's own. Oh yeah. We do sourdough sometimes pizza Sometimes
1: we do like charcuterie kind of situation. You
2: make that though, right? Liz, you sometimes make your right. own. So I've seen you make
0: it. Yeah.
2: It looks incredible. Yep. Yeah. You
0: should. Yeah. So the, we're talking about homemade snacks, but at the end of the day, it's like Joey shouldn't be craving. Like <laughs> it's just, it's a, it points to his hunger. He seems like healthy he's though. Hungry, you know? Or. He needs an emotional. Hey, I'm gonna take it. Or he needs like an emotional. He can
1: DM. He can I, DM me at any there time. There was like a little. Uh, <laughs> dude, I wrote down this. He said, "Do we need food or something else?" And it, like it shook me to my core because I was like, "Dude."
0: I thought someone was gonna make like an inappropriate joke. Yeah,
1: because I didn't say either that. Either I'm like
2: meaning a certain thing, but I like, when it came out of my mouth, I was like. That might have come across a certain way.
0: It's a, you're like at eight PM. No. You're like at eight PM I so didn't, you're going to bed. I didn't take it that way. I didn't take come it that out? way. <laughs> like, like, did that. you bring him on the show for that?
1: <laughs> I didn't take it that way either. I'm I'm taking it like in like you know, am I am I just overstimulated all day long and I'm needing, you know, do I do I, like a, a walk by myself like to be alone? Is that mm-hmm. what I need? Mm-hmm. I mean I, I am never alone, like ever. Ever. I I go to work and I'm needed all day long and I come home and I'm needed until I go to bed. And there's a part of me that's like, man, and I know that you don't either. Okay. All the moms out there are probably like, oh, this guy. (laughs) So anyways, I, you know, (laughs) just to save myself from getting attacked. But I I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if, if just having a moment where I, uh, food or do i need i'm gonna candy. try it i feel like i get a craving i'm just gonna you know, walk off like, where'd joey go he's
0: having a craving and he needs to walk i'm like yo jared
1: out. told me to we could take it up with him i think walking after dinner
2: anyways oh, that's like something that i'll always throw in there just to help the digestion i think walking yeah
0: mm. yeah it's supposed to help uh regulate your blood sugar right after you eat that's what
2: they say <laughs> what the <heck>? i mean <laughs> i mean yeah i mean it's all this of this stuff bad. it's like All of this stuff, you're just, like, trusting it. You know what I mean? It's like when I go to the dentist or something, like, I mean, that's what they're doing. I don't know anything about dentistry. You just have to trust that it's true. You know what I mean? It's like, because unless you're actually... We're going to put you to sleep. Unless you're actually measuring it yourself, I can't, like, say, like, you know. But like you said, there's a lot of psychology that goes into all this stuff. Like, I think, um, like... I think you shared a post that I might have made about the psychology of food. It was called Mind Over Milkshakes, where, like, they gave two groups the exact same milkshake. (laughs) And they told one that they were indulging in this, like, sugar bomb. And then the other group, this is a spa shake. This is super healthy. And then they measured their hormones after. And the spa group was, like, stable. And then the sugar group was, like, flying off the rails. And they ate the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know.
1: Wow.
0: It's the same study that we referenced It was referenced in that Time Magazine article No, so I remember We talked oh, yeah. about it in that episode That's crazy uh, It was like Pitted against plant-based propaganda I think is the title of that specific podcast episode But yeah, there's, there's so much truth to that It's the same thing of like having anxiety about what you're eating It's is not going to benefit you If you're like, hey, I have to eat on this airplane right now Or something um, Yeah, mind, mindset's big
1: I love that any other, uh, I mean, this is like the bonus right now. Yeah, do you have like, are we yeah, starting uh, episode two? <laughs> yeah, we can just
0: go marathon. I mean, do you have anything else, have anything um, else
1: to share? Hey, uh, I, I'm going to close this out here. Jared, this is outstanding. We'll definitely, definitely be talking soon. I'm, you know, as soon as I get my phone back, because I'm, I'm not rude and I keep my phone away from me here. But uh, what
0: are you trying to say? I don't. No, I was just,
1: no, that was, there was no. He incri- looks at me like there's There was weird. no incriminating. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible at Instagram, and thus I'm not following a lot of people. But I will definitely come follow you on on Instagram. I can't wait to 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 stay in touch. He's funny. I, I'm I've I've learned that thus far. The um uh, any any closing thoughts? No more. I know I, I know that we're all like biting our tongues here, but uh, Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Have an awesome rest of your day. We'll be talking soon and um yeah everybody out there definitely uh, checking with checking with jared
2: yeah awesome this has been incredible and i can't wait to do it again so i truly appreciate you guys having me on here and we'll definitely be in touch
0: of course yeah. cheers brother we'll see you guys soon.
1: see you and with that jared has left the virtual chat Man, that's stuff with me here with the food cravings, man. I'm I'm really outed. Uh, I'm like, you know, (laughs) this episode's going to go out and everyone's going (laughs) to, Homegrown's going to hit the tubes because they're thinking that Joey's just a, uh, that's not true. We're talking about eating good food. We're snacking, we're craving. I got flaws, all right? I'm human.
0: It's not a flaw necessarily. It's something that you, and I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't know that it bothered you. Mm. And it's like, it's not necessarily a. So nice. I'm not. I'm sorry. I was. I really wasn't trying to be mean. I'm just saying. One, first of all, we are human, and we're a fa- we're a real family.
1: Real family.
0: And we don't we don't pretend like we have some level of perfection, and we ask everyone to rise up to that. That is BS. That's not real. But um, I know that you sometimes are like, man, I'm just really craving this, and I I wish that that weren't the case. Mm. And when you saw, when you read his information. You were like, oh, food cravings. Honestly. Oh, I wrote like, it down. You asked the question. I did. So. I did. I was just trying to. No, I'm
1: totally cool with it. Just so we're clear. Give I Give you some I free health it. advice. I loved uh, well, Jared, I'm always. You know what? There's something that I have always been very, growing up in sports, you know, having people tell me how I can be better so long as it's something that I feel like I can actually achieve. I'm cool with it. Yeah. When people would tell me I'm bad at something, and then like I'd have no way of trying to get better, it was terrible. And it's rude. Oh yeah, terrible. Um, not just rude, but just that would hurt me the most. If someone give me gives me criticism like, hey, here's how you can be better, I've always taken those things so seriously, and it's always been something I like. So <laughs> when I saw eliminate cravings on his in his bio, I'm like, dude, uh, let's talk about it because I want to know. The chair's uh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Love talking to him. Yeah, him and I, if 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 we you know hung out, we would get nothing done because
0: you would just chit chat <laughs> all day. Awesome, <laughs> so <laughs>
1: legit. Hey, hey, find find Jared again at thehealthgoat.com. He's releasing a course that I'm I can almost guarantee you will be both parts pristine and extremely beneficial and helpful. But also, man, this guy is just fun. Mm-hmm. He's just fun. He's got an aura around him. Mm-hmm. You just, just want to hang out with him. Super cool dude. At birth. health.
0: At birth. Dot right. Dot
1: health. Dot health. Two dots. Yep. That's Instagram. Same handle for TikTok. Go find them there. And uh, if you wanted to find me for some reason and talk, we, we could talk about cravings.
0: Talk about cravings. Talk about running. Talk about running. Talk about hunting. Talk about hunting. Talk about fatherhood. Talk about fatherhood. He's gonna repeat everything I, I
1: say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can find me I'm on Instagram I, uh, at Joey Hazelmeyer. You can find Liz at Liz Hazelmeyer and you can find Homegrown at Homegrown underscore Education. We also have some curriculum resources. Talk to me about the uh, early elementary curriculum.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, we haven't talked about that in a while, so. The early elementary intro to real food activity book is officially the longest title that I will never write. I will never create again (laughs) because it's a mouthful. But what that is, is a pay is a workbook for your like pre-K through second grade students to just get familiarized with like what food is, where it comes from and um even seeing things into the future so some of the first couple activities are like hey what do I want to be when I grow up and in order to do that what do I need to do right now Mm -hmm. one of those things is understanding how you feed yourself um from there we move on to like even just recognizing different food groups what types of foods are in animal products what types of foods are in grains legumes seeds and nuts what types of foods are in fruits and veggies and dairy and things like that um and then it's it's like a combination of, you know, pattern practicing, matching, a little bit of real food education in terms of like a lesson on milk or a lesson on different types of meat. We have a lesson on wild game versus domesticated livestock. It's it's really practicing those early skills of handwriting math counting patterns with through the lens of real food Mm -hmm. And the reason why we created it was because we had something for older kids That was very comprehensive for like the third through sixth grade But we had a a younger child coming up into her schooling years and we didn't really have anything for her to do And so actually for that book we hired a phenomenal watercolor artist who did custom art Mm. and uh it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book.
1: A question I get a lot about the different children's curriculum workbooks is, what if you don't homeschool?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for us, it came out of a need because we homeschool. But if you don't homeschool, these are great, like, unit um, lessons you can do during the summer. You could do them after school. They can be like weekend activity books. If you're a family that like does a Sabbath and you want to whip out a unique coloring page or something for that particular period of time, like these are great to infuse, um, in your life. The, the first workbook that we ever put out is, um, 27 lessons. And so it stretches a full year, but you can knock out a couple lessons, um, in a week if you really want to go dial in in the summertime. With the early elementary, it's it's really just like pick it up and put it down whenever you want. So you don't have to be a homeschooling family um, to talk to your kids about real food. And actually, I argue that if you're not a homeschooling family and your kids are in some sort of school away from you, it's even more important Mm because they're probably getting nutritional education that might not align with what you think it is nutrition
1: nutrition education doesn't only look like open your open your textbook to page 37 right it's it can be i walk out of school lunch and mondays and fridays are vegan days and you know on those days we're gonna give you this really healthy meal of you know some weird funky cardboard pizza that has no you know what i mean like yeah
0: and then they're getting those messages yeah it's it's not it's
1: like this is what's good for you right and that kind of that kind of learning is is less taught and more understood mm-hmm. and can sometimes be harder to
0: unlearn unlearn yeah I and agree. it's it's
1: something that even as i think back to to the some of the cravings that i have i, I just think there's been a lot of time in my life also kind of in my childhood and early, like later years where i just would snack at night and it's just it's just a habit it's something that i'm used to doing mhm and um, I don't know, that, that's something that, uh, that I've thought of in my past as well. And that, hey, you know what? When we're, we're trying to learn really good rhythms and routines and, and understand where our food comes from, that stuff can be taught at any time, mm-hmm. in any way. And we're creating the tools to make it easy and accessible for parents, right? It's harder to say, hey, let's teach our kids about real food. All right, I was going to sit them down and talk to them. Yeah and this is something to kind of get the ball rolling but ultimately this education never stops right this this workbook kind of gets it going next thing you know they're asking questions next thing you know the conversations are just a little bit more natural and organic next thing you know you know your kid wants to help you cook everything right if you think about jared's journey this guy was you know the the the, the, the mate i honestly it was just outstanding how clear his journey kind of progressed right and went to the Primal Health Institute to learn about nourishing himself. The differences between macros and I mean just all the stuff he must have learned there. I don't even know. I I didn't go to it. And then it was I wanna learn how to cook. Right? It's almost like two like sections of his education, right? One was nutrition and wellness, and the next was cooking. And, and now he's learning about entrepreneurship, business ownership, resilience. And, and that, I will say, as, as a business owner myself and someone that has also dealt with these sorts of things, discipline, resilience, that kind of thing, is not reserved for people that own businesses. And you can learn resilience in your nutrition. You can learn resilience in your rhythms and routines. I go on runs, and I think about this when I'm running 15 miles, right? And it's people like, you're nuts, talking can you run 15? Well, there's a lot of people that do way more than me. But first and foremost, going out to run a long run is practicing resilience and discipline. Going on runs, even when I don't want to, when it's really cold, when my legs are sore, but that is a, a form of practicing discipline and rhythms and routines. When I choose to listen to an audio book that is in support of the business that I run on the drive to work, as opposed to music or you know whatever else sometimes i choose that because i'm like all right i need to i need to be inspired today and it's a discipline it's something all these things add up Mm -hmm. and it it starts to help you be disciplined in other things so i mean even when it comes to recording a podcast once a week it's tough it's hard
0: that's a discipline in and of itself and
1: when you're practicing disciplines in other areas of your life though it bleeds in and next thing you know you're able to do it I mean, even sitting down today, I'm like, I know for a fact I'm ready to rock and roll. Yep. I just know for a fact because I, I I do this in every other area of my life. And so, man, watching Jared do those sorts of things, really, really awesome. And we can do this stuff and set our kids up this way as well. We can get them into children's curriculum that we've created for you, but also that carries over and it bleeds over and it continues, right? We start something and it continues. And so- Hey, we've got the Real Food Guide. That's something that can get you started. Similar to this, I want to jump in and understand a little bit more about how to nourish myself. Real food, sourcing, buying stuff from the grocery store. Jump online. we got a digital resource called the Real Food Guide. We've also got a a meal plan to help you establish dinner routines. And soon we've got something coming in to help you with breakfast routines and rhythms. Mm -hmm. It's called What's for Dinner. Everyone's dealt with the painful question when they come home from work, what's for dinner? And we've got it on there for you. Shopping lists, we've got recipes, meal plan, the whole thing. Six weeks, you'll get what's for dinner and uh, and uh, yeah, get after that. That's awesome. All these things can be found on our website. It's homegrowneducation.org. And until next time, that's a wrap.